Sure, sure, sure. Um, I, at some point, I want to get a. I I lost the record player in the um, in the breakup. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I'll, and a bunch of my records. Hey, Omen, what are we uh, what are we listening to this week? Today we're listening to Someday the Sun Won't Shine for You. It's amazing to me how much that song takes me back to like being in high school. It's, 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 funny how just what a huge effect music has on your memory in terms of nostalgia having listened to it a lot in high school yeah yeah okay. yeah i mean it it directly it immediately takes me back to being like 17 18 again i don't think i knew this album until college to be honest so or whenever did you have it at the same time i don't know no idea i if you had had it in high school i would have had it in high school I and mean, i don't think we had this one in high school but I just have it. Just that song, maybe because it's slower than uh, than my Sunday feeling. It really, I think it. I think it got me the very first time I ever listened to it, mm. and it gets me the same way. You know, fifteen years later now. Yeah, it's crazy. It's there's a lot of there's a there's a lot in there. There's a lot of emotion in there. Yeah, um, and it's. I think it's content wise, it's, it's a lot more of that, what you would expect from a blues song. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm leaving my baby kind of thing. Uh, while also complaining that she treats him like garbage. Uh, and I, I, I like the kicker at the end and I'll leave your mother too. I know. I know. I love it. And your mother too. Um, but this is, this is like instant juxtaposition of sound. Totally. From what we, it's, it's, Again, I'm going to keep going back to that. This is our first album. You put it on and you hear our first song and we kick you in the face with it. And then instantly the next one, it's like, but we can also do this. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out who plays the harmonica on that song. That's, that's Anderson. That's, that's the mouth organ. That's what it's, that's they refer to. Yeah. Because Britain. Yeah. Yeah. He swaps out the flute for the, the, the mouth organ. He's very good on the mouth organ. I mean, it's really good. It's it's like professional. Generally, I'm, I'm not terribly fond of the harmonica, but damn this one, it, it just, if the flute were in here, I don't think it'd be the same by, by any stretch of the imagination. And there's such a complicity between, uh, him and the, between the, the harmonica and the guitar. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There it's, um, it's almost a, I was going to say a call and answer, but it's not quite, I think it's, it, it works more like how Anderson and Abrams sing. That's right. When they start singing together and they, it's not quite a harmony, but it's, it's, they're working together and it's the same thing with the harmonica and the guitar, which is both uh, Abrams and Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's not even counterpoint either. It's, it's two, it's two parallel tracks. It's two artists riffing off each other in a, in a, in a very, with a lot of complicity. I think of it kind of like someone in Alabama knows the song someday the sun won't shine for you. And someone in Tennessee 
knows the song, Someday the Sun Won't Shine for You. And they get together and they sing it just a little different because everybody has a folk song that sounds just a little different depending on the region you're from. Right, right. And that's what it feels like to me. They know the idea of the song, but when you get them together, it's it's not quite discordant. No. But it's also not harmonic. It's interesting. Yeah. And I, I imagine that that kind of artistic relationship is hard to maintain. That's probably why it didn't work out uh, yeah. for, for Mick and Ian Anderson. And I'm going to be completely honest. I don't know who is who when they sing. I don't either. I was really trying to figure that out. And it's, it's, all, it's, it's very difficult to tell. I think the higher one is Ian Anderson. I think. That would make sense. But that being said, on Move On Alone, when Abram sings, he's pretty high too. Yeah, and also he's he's singing some high notes. Zing. I mean, it was 68, so who knows? Who knows what was in their system? I'll be honest, this album in general, for the most part, has been a background album for me. It's never one that I've really super absorbed and listened to just because I got to it so late after having the later tall kind of in my bloodstream. That's more formative for both of us, I believe. Right. But this song for specifically sitting down and listening to it and really listening to the, the orchestration and looking at the lyrics and everything, this song is, it is, it's really like, there's so much there that that's packed in there for for a freshman album yeah but i i don't know like was was every freshman album back in 68 a lot more substantial than what we would expect now well it's hard to say i think i think that there were i think the pressures were probably very different i i think that you know this this they recorded this album for 1200 pounds which you know i'm sure was probably a lot of money back then but it's not you know it's certainly not what like Justin Bieber paid to <laughs> record his first album. Not that he paid for it, but who knows, whatever. <laughs> who cares also. Um, also, can I just note who cares? Right. <laughs> um, but they, I don't think that they necessarily had the pressure to be I, as financially successful with their, with their work. I, I would assume, I mean, you know, we, we're not experts on the music industry, but, but I, I, it is hard to imagine an album of this nature coming out now. Um, I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure that the people are doing work like, you know, that, that is eclectic like this on a lot of indie records. Sure. 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 Yeah. It's, it's, it is fascinating, especially, especially with the trajectory that, that tall took. Um, the other thing that is interesting, you know, that I'm experiencing right now is we were, you and I were introduced to this music when we were in our, mid to late teens uh and now we're coming back to it in our 30s early 30s yeah early 30s and literally twice the amount of time and i think that my you know my life experience has obviously has is a lot different now than it was when i first heard this song and and so listening to it now i'm like oh my gosh there's a lot going on here that i didn't catch i think we're able to understand it more and appreciate it more totally you know um the stuff that i the music that i really uh, tall and and a few other things aside the music that i really liked in high school i can't it is unpalatable now hmm. 
but hmm. but Tull is one of the few bands that has really stuck with me um, because it was so formative and because it's so substantial that I can go back to it and appreciate it for nostalgia's sake and then also for uh, for what it is. Yeah, totally. That old sun keeps on shining in, but someday it won't shine for you. In the morning I'm leaving, I'll leave your mother too. Hey, Omen. Um, yeah, what's up? Do you know the origin of the name Jethro Tall? Yeah, of course I do. What, what is it? Why don't you tell me? <laughs> well, Jethro Tall is the guy who invented the seed drill. That's true, yes. He was, an, he was a 17th century um, agriculturalist mm-hmm. who was, uh, I think he wrote some extremely important um, treatises on the modernization of agriculture. And of course, he, he invented the seed drill seed drill um but also when they were touring before they got really big are you talking about the 17th century agriculturalists yeah that the that's my favorite band uh we're talking this is talk 17th century agriculturists to me i um i made a terrible mistake <laughs> i i need to leave um the no when tull was was originally touring when they were just starting out they would um they would rebook they would change their not their name every time they booked in clubs because if they bombed under one name they wouldn't get they wouldn't get booked again yeah so they kept booking under different names um until the the show that they played as Jethro Tull was was great suddenly took off and every yeah they got a lot of good reviews and they were like well i guess we're stuck with this name we're stuck with Jethro Tull yeah yeah and um i think they they booked under that name a couple of times but th- there was some sort of miscommunication and they actually played as Jethro toe <laughs> one, one, uh, one, one concert. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's interesting to, to think that they, they could have been known as Luther Burbank. Is, is that an, an, another uh, 17th century agriculturist? He was, the, he was an 18th century agriculturalist. Oh, okay. Ahead of his time, really. <laughs> he developed the spineless cactus. And the Plumcot. <laughs> hey, wow. Wow, another valuable uh, contribution to agriculture. Yep. <laughs> I thought you were looking up other Jethro Tull names, but you no. took it the other route, so I, I, I can applaud you for that. Yes. Um, yeah. Hey, Omen, what did we just listen to? That was Someday the Sun Won't Shine for You. And we are Feckless Momes. And this is Talk Tall to Me. Come back next week when we talk about Beggar's Farm. Thanks again for listening to Talk Tall to Me a Feckless Momes Audio Network production. Your hosts are Omen Said and Nick McGill, produced by Nick McGill.